0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: As I went down in the river to pray, Studying about that good old way, And who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down.
2: Jesus quoted the passage in Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. He said, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. O Lord, as we come to this broadcast today, I am asking would you open the eyes of those who who listen and listen and see. Lord, we need to understand what your kingdom is about. We need to understand what you want to accomplish in our hearts and not just go day after day after day after day living for the world and the things of the flesh with some simple sentimental relationship with you, Jesus. Jesus that doesn't transform us, doesn't change us. Lord, would you come today? In your majesty and in your power, would you come today to Washington, D.C., to this listening audience, and to all those on the internet who will listen around the, the world? Lord, would you come? Would you speak very clearly to our hearts? Lord, it has to be a supernatural work by your spirit, for in the flesh we're going to be lost. So would you come, Jesus? Mm, would you come, Jesus, in power? I pray in your holy name. Amen. Today I was going to teach out of the book of Mark, in the fourth chapter where he begins to lay out the secret of the kingdom of God. What I want you to notice is that he was going to speak to them about the secret of the kingdom of God. He was not going to talk to them about the secret of a personal relationship. He was going to talk to them about the kingdom of God the book of Mark, the whole focus, the whole thrust is to introduce us to the kingdom of God. (coughs) Pardon me. He wants us to grasp the concept of the kingdom of God. Remember, Matthew wrote out of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus saying seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. These are the things that pagans run after food, clothes, transportation. He's saying don't focus on those things. Now I'm going to be very straight with you. Some of you today only are focused on how you're going to survive financially. And what your next point of leisure and pleasure will be. Jesus is saying, stop. There's something much bigger, something much more important. It's the kingdom of God. Kingdom, not geographic, not at this time. He's speaking about the divine authority of God, that we come under that divine authority of God and we seek righteousness. That is, we seek innocence before him. We seek to be made righteous. And in the process, as he comes and changes us, we begin to bear witness that Jesus is the Christ. And we begin to testify and witness to others that Jesus is Lord and that his kingdom is among us and in us. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God. The gospel is not the good news of your little personal relationship with Jesus. Can you hear me? Do you have ears to hear? The kingdom of God is not about some personal pious relationship with God. It's about taking over the whole world with righteousness. It's about setting the captives free. It's about healing the sick. It's about restoring what the devil has stolen. It's about forming fellowship and community in what is known as the church, the body of Christ. It is the embodiment of the kingdom of God in the world. And God intends to bring all things in heaven and earth into unity under that church. He, he never meant for the church to be a little place where you go or a big place you go and listen to music and watch them dance up front and go through their skits and hear a little sermon from a preacher as he introduces his topic with jokes. What a joke! It's a travesty. The kingdom of God is much more important than all of this. I'm going to share a story with you today. It's about a woman by the name of Anne. She is referred to as Holy Anne, Anne Preston. She lived in the last part of the 1800s, and this book was put together In 1909, it was first published. I want to share this with you because Anne is slow. I won't say dumb, but that might be, in a non-pejorative way, a better description. She was not blessed with a great intellect. And when she was raised in a family that had no concern about the Bible or anything about the Christian faith. She did not seem to do well. She couldn't learn things easily, so she never went to school. She could not read. And her parents, the only thing they knew to help her, to support her, was to go to work in families as a servant and earn her keep that way. Now she, in the early years of working that way, began to drift more and more toward alcohol and toward darkness. She was deciding about whether or not she would go and work for a saloon keeper and be a bar woman, and clean up the, the bar after all the drunks had gone home. But God, in his great mercy, graciously arrested her downward steps and providentially opened a, a place for her with a Christian woman, Mrs. McKay. Now, Mrs. McKay hated liquor. Her husband had driven had been driven to the asylum through it, and now he was at home once more, but she hated the intoxicating cup which was often expressed and a part of her family now Anne was certainly fully warned along this line by Mrs. McKay. If you're going to work here, you will not drink alcohol. Her goodness was not merely that of the negative kind, for Mrs. McKay had a positive piety of the warm Irish Methodist type, and she sought to influence anyone who came beneath her roof. Mrs. McKay observed regular times of family prayer and she invited Anne to join them in worship. This was a new epic in her experience. Although her dull mind comprehended very little of what was being said, her ignorance of religious matters may be judged from the fact that when asked to bring a New Testament to the prayer time, she brought a newspaper. The Bible had never been used in her home, She didn't even know there was such a thing as a Bible. But her ignorance was natural because she had never been exposed to anything of a spiritual nature. Now, one of the reasons I want to share this story with you is because you all have been taught time after time on this broadcast the true gospel of Jesus Christ, of walking clean before God by the power of the Holy Spirit, having left all of your sin, having been washed by the blood of Jesus and called to be a part of the kingdom of God. Many of you have have grown immensely in the Spirit, but you still have not crossed the line and laid it all down for Jesus. And there's a reason why you haven't done that. And this story is going to, Pinpoint that key reason. Mrs. McKay was very eager to win her hired help, but she acted quite judiciously in that for some time she omitted to press Anne to accompany her to religious meetings. She but urged her and invited her to come and pray with her in the evenings. But finally, Mrs. McKay ventured to invite Anne to come to a class meeting, a Methodist class meeting. After a little pressure, Anne agreed to do so. It was all so new to her that she looked on in open-mouthed wonder as she saw some people weeping and others praising God. As things proceeded, she seemed to be somewhat disgusted. To her, it seemed like a religious event. She even watched to see whether the crying was real or whether they were just wetting their faces with crocodile tears. She hardly knew what to think of the whole meeting. She didn't believe that it was real. After dinner that day, the mistress rang the bell, and Anne entered the parlor and was surprised when she was invited to sit down. Mrs. McKay opened the conversation with, Well, Anne, how did you like the class meeting? Anne's answer was noncommittal. I don't know although if she had spoken her mind, she would have called them a lot of hypocrites. Well, said Mrs. McKay, won't you go again? Anne doggedly replied, I don't think so. When pressed for a reason, she said that she had nothing to say in the meeting anyway. She felt utterly out of place when others were speaking and praying and weeping, "'while she sat as solid as a post. "'In order to help her, Mrs. McKay suggested "'that she perhaps had some reason to praise God, "'saying, who gives you your food to eat and raiment to wear? "'This well-meaning question missed the mark in Anne's mind. "'For a while she made no reply She had some big inward mental reservations that almost broke the ominous silence as she said to herself, I guess I work hard enough for them. Mrs. McKay got very little satisfaction that day, but she did not give up. The next Sunday, she pressed Anne to go and hear a Mr. Armstrong holiday. At this time, the Methodists were very much despised and too poor to erect a place of worship. Consequently, all their meetings were held in private homes. On this notable Sunday, the parlor was crowded, and Anne was very glad to be out of range of the minister's eye. She remembered nothing that was said except the text which was not one that would strike the average sinner. The words were, Thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father who seeth in secret, and thy Father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Between eight and nine o'clock that evening, After the day's work was finished, Anne made her way up to the attic. It was just a bare room, the only furniture being a large wooden chair. Anne hardly knew why she did it, but she voluntarily knelt for the first time in her life and began to cry out without any conception of what was the matter. She soon lost all control of herself, and her mistress heard the noise down three flights of stairs. To her daughter, she said, Anne is taking the minister's advice. And a little while after, she went up and asked Anne, what's the matter? Anne looked up and answered, I don't know, ma'am. But just then she seemed to have a sudden revelation of her trouble. And she added, Oh, yes, I do. I see all the sins that ever I did from the time I was five years old all written on the chair in front of me, every one. And then as she looked down, she cried out, Oh, ma'am, worse than all, I see hell open, ready to swallow me. Then, like one of old, she began to smite her breast, and without any knowledge that she was quoting Scripture, she cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Once more, she became desperate as she cried over and over and over again for God's mercy. Mrs. McKay tried to hush her up, saying, Don't let the master hear you. She suggested that Anne should go to her own room and pray. And she said, I'll go to mine and pray for you. But Anne was way too much in earnest for this and said, I don't care, ma'am. If all the world hears me, I must cry for mercy. After a little while, she retired to her room. But conviction did not cease, and she continued to pray until 12 o'clock. Then she jumped up, saying as she rose, No mercy, Lord, for me? But her heart was assured even as the question passed her lips, and, and always said that as she looked up, she saw the Savior as he was on Calvary and she knew right then that his blood atoned for her sins. She had the Methodist way of expressing it when she said, I felt then something burning in my heart. I just longed for the morning that I could go home and tell my father and mother what the Lord had done for me. She went over to the table and picked up a testament, which the young ladies used, and then prayed her first simple request as a child of God. O Lord, she said, You that has taken away this awful burden, intolerable to bear, couldn't you enable me to read one of these little things? Putting her finger on a verse, she read, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. For the first time in her life, Anne was able to read a verse of Scripture. Now, she didn't get the whole verse, but as our later narrative will show, this was the beginning of divine assistance in the teaching of an ignorant, slow girl. The next morning, Anne was first to testify. In the the first place, she was sent to the tavern for the daily supply of beer for her master. It did not occur to her that this was inconsistent for a Christian. But when she entered the saloon, she saw a mother giving her child a drink of whiskey. Even the tavern keeper's wife protested at this and said, Don't give that poison to the child. Anne at once stepped up and said, Well, ma'am, what makes you keep that poison? The poor woman answered, I wouldn't have it in the house if I could help it, but I can't as my husband will sell it. This was Anne's first word of protest against evil. Later in the day, she managed to get home to tell her father and mother of her newfound joy. On the way, the tempter suggested, You don't feel the burning in your heart now. You better not say anything about it till you're sure. However, she resisted the evil one and with real fervor broke the news to her parents. They gave her a very cool reception. The only response from her mother was, Oh, you're just like your old grandfather. You're going out of your head. Not very encouraging for this young convert. However, that very day she received a letter from her older sister Mary, who was working away, and asked her mistress to read it to her. Anne did not remember any of the news conveyed in the letter except the one statement of her sister. "'I am sure you have good news to tell me, Anne. I know by the answer that I have gotten in prayer.' The power of prayer. For Anne's sister had written the letter two days before this time. At that time, Anne was utterly indifferent to religious influence, but by the time the letter reached her, she had undergone the great change and had become a child of God. In her early Christian experience, Anne was very much the child of circumstances. Her religious life was largely lived by the ebb and flow of her feelings. How unsafe it is to base our hope of heaven or our present relationship to God upon the trivial happenings of everyday life or the changing moods of the human mind. Of course, Anne was not versed in the Word of God, and the only spiritual help she received was at class meetings where she listened to the expressions of others. This was doubtless of some help to her, but it could not take the place of thorough instruction in the truth. Anne tells the following event that took place one evening. She'd cleaned out the ashes from the fireplace, but instead of leaving them by the gate until morning, as was her wont, she took them out and set the box on the brick floor. In the morning, the box and part of the lid had been consumed by the fire, and at once Anne jumped to the conclusion that this was an evidence that she was saved, that God cared for her, "'for had she not taken the box out that evening, "'the house would have been burned down. "'There was evidently two ways of looking at the same thing, "'for this incident led Mr. McKay to fire her "'as he considered her unsafe and not to be trusted. "'She'd only been in her new situation a few months "'when Mr. Holliday, the minister under whom she'd been converted, Having evidently watched her hard work, came to her one day and said that one of the best homes in his circuit needed a woman. If she was prepared to go, he would take her to that home. Anne at once replied, I will go anywhere, sir, where I can be free to serve Jesus. He took her and introduced her to the family of Dr. Reed, with whom she was to spend many eventful years. He agreed to pay her a magnificent wage of $2 a month. Anne used to quaintly say, The minister married me to Mrs. Reed, for he made Mrs. Reed promise that she would keep me as long as she would stay, and made Anne promise that she would stay as long as she would keep her, concluded by saying, It will not be long till I want you myself, as he was engaged to be married then. Many a time when dissatisfied and sorely tried with the difficulties of of her work, Anne would pack her little bundle, ready to leave, but the remembrance of, of her promise to the pastor always restrained her. Further illustrating her vacillating experience at that time, Anne recalls the fact that on one occasion she was so terribly tired and she practically decided to commit suicide. She seized a novel way of death. Her master, Dr. Reed, had brought a very vicious cow, and scarcely anyone dared to go near it. It was always necessary for the man who tended it to accompany Anne while she milked. They kept it about a mile out of town. On the occasion referred to, Anne decided that she would slip off to the milking unaccompanied and expected that the cow would finish her off. To her astonishment, the savage beast stood perfectly quiet while she finished her milking and then started homeward uninjured with her pail of milk. Mrs. Reed had discovered her absence and gave the alarm and she was quite astonished when she saw Anne coming toward the house carrying the milk. When asked who held the cow, she simply answered nobody. The event encouraged Anne in the thought that God really cared for her and the next morning she'd taken a new lease on life and when requested to go in milk she refused to go alone after Ann had been doctor with Dr. Reed for some five years he decided to move to Canada he at once began to collect all his back debts well I'm going to stop there This is a story of Holy Anne. Now, the reason I wanted to share this with you, and I love the whole book, Anne grew in faith in Jesus. She grew experientially. Today we have substituted experiential, experimental religion for intellectual religion. And because we think we understand the theology, we bypass the experience. The kingdom of God is an experience. The kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit working out in us His will so that as we submit totally to Him, he causes us to bear witness that he is the Christ. Now, Anne could not be converted by Mrs. McKay. She tried. She took her to the class meeting. And there, Anne was disgusted by the show of emotion and felt like she was just a post sitting there not feeling, not sensing, not thinking anything was happening to her. And then she went to church and she hears one passage of scripture that is fastened in her mind. And that scripture allowed the Holy Spirit to come with great power and convert her from darkness to light. Now, she was holy, but she was not mature. She was very immature, but she wanted nothing to do with sin and darkness. She wanted Jesus. I want you to have this simple kind of faith. This passage that I shared with you out of the book of Matthew, Where Jesus is preparing to talk about the different kinds of soil. Isaiah said, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. He's saying this to the Jewish people. He's saying this to people who intellectually understood all the issues. He's saying, You're going to continue to hear, but you won't understand. You're going to be seeing, but you won't perceive. Because your heart has become calloused. Your heart has become calloused. I want to ask you today. Is your heart calloused? Are you going about all of your normal work? Your normal activities? Going here and there? Watching movies? Going to the internet? Talking and laughing foolishly with other people, and no real thought about Jesus or his kingdom. No understanding that you're called to produce something to help the poor, to heal the sick, to pray with people. Where is your heart? Is it calloused? Or have you been hardened by hearing these gospel messages and not earnestly, earnestly done what Holy Anne did where she just went before the Lord and dealt with every part of her life that was sin allowing the Holy Spirit to outline on the back of the chair and she could for the first time in her life read something She saw her sin, and she wept, and she prayed until she got the breakthrough. Are you so caught in your intellectual understanding of Jesus and of the gospel, but you don't have the experience of holy end? There's a story, I I won't read it for you, I'll just tell you. Times were hard. Times were very hard, and she desperately needed a little more protein in her diet. She was sick. And the doctor told her, you need one egg a day. She lived in a farm area, working as a mistress in the house to clean and cook and wash. She came home and she knew there were no eggs in the house and no possibility of any eggs. That was just not part of their diet. They didn't have money to purchase these. They were expensive. So Anne spoke with the Lord and said, Lord, the doctor said, I am... I'm to have one egg a day. Would you give me that one egg a day? And she was prompted to open the door a crack to the outside and to just sit down on the stairway and be quiet before the Lord. So she sat there with the door open a little and waited upon the Lord. And as she waited upon the Lord, a chicken came through the door. Now she thought that was strange. She didn't know where the chicken had come from or where it was going, but the chicken promptly went upstairs to her room, laid one egg, and then came back down the stairs and went right out the front door. Each day, that chicken came as she waited on the Lord and laid one egg and then left. And when finally Anne was well after some period of time and went back to the doctor, he said, You've had that protein. You don't need it anymore. Now she could sit all day at that door open, but no chicken would come. God had sent that chicken for her. What a simple farm story of faith in waiting upon our Lord. This story of the Irish woman, Anne Preston, she was known as Holy Anne. It is so simple so uncomplicated. But everything that happened to Anne was based only on one thing, and that was the work of the Holy Spirit in her heart as he brought her into the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of heaven, all she was to do was to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and everything was provided for her. Today I'm very concerned about you. I'm very concerned about you. You can turn this radio off and go on your way. You can turn off the the cell phone you're listening to. You You can blow all this off that I've said to you. Go about your normal routine, doing your normal things. But you've never gotten on your face before God and said, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have you ever humbled your heart before God and actually seen Jesus on the cross of Calvary? Have you ever seen the risen Lord? Has the Holy Spirit come to you? Please understand, the Christian religion is not a religion of intellect. It is for all people, rich, poor, smart, dumb, whatever a person's color or race It is for all men and all women, all boys and girls. And it's very simple. It is dependent upon the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit coming and convicting you of your sin and causing you to stop being casual about your cursing, about your foolishness, about your lying, about your lust for money, your bitterness of heart and your anger because someone has mistreated you. God is calling you to repent today for the kingdom of God is at hand. And you're not going to hear it and you're not going to understand it. You're not going to see it. You're not going to perceive it if your heart is calloused. If your heart is calloused, these words will go right on past you and you'll have no interest and you'll go about your work. Oh Lord, I pray today for those who are listening to this broadcast. I pray, Lord, that you will come in mighty power. I pray that you would not allow us to continue in the low level of spiritual life that most in America have drifted into. Even to turning to darkness, to the filth and to the sin brought gladly by Satan to everyone who is not found their place in you Jesus Lord I pray that you will so convict the heart of every person listening that they will take that time to get on their face before you and begin to honestly let you deal with their hearts uncovering the depth of their soul uncovering every unkind thing that's been said or done. Lord, I pray for every person today, the coming of the kingdom of God, the coming of divine authority that reaches out and transforms and changes and brings new life. Lord, would you bring your kingdom in all of its glorious power to heal the sick and raise the dead. Lord, I keep getting these reports of people who are, who are sick, who are dying. Lord, we need the baptism of your Holy Spirit. We need the presence of your Holy Spirit to return to the church. Lord, would you come and throw the money changers out of the church once more? Would you come with your whip and clean out your house of worship? Would you come, Jesus, and speak words of life to those who are sore and heavy laden, who are pressed down, discouraged feeling alone oh Lord would you come in your power and your glory today let this day mark a change a deliberate change on the part of those who listen to the broadcast Lord would you come and make that change would you break forth in revival power in Washington, D.C. Lord, the fight is on among the politicians. The fight is on among the banks. The fight is on in the state governments. Lord, everywhere we look, there is confusion and doubt and fear. Lord, would you step in to the individual places in the individual lives and begin a revival that will turn this city up on its ear. Lord, it's recorded in Scripture that a city where the apostles would come and preach and heal and teach, that the city would, as a whole, begin to rejoice because they had turned to you, Jesus. Would you do that in Washington, D.C.? Would you turn this city back from the serpent, the devil, the evil one, Satan? Lord, would you turn the city back from his camp and reclaim it as your own? Wait upon you, Jesus. And my eyes are upon you, trusting you, waiting upon you. Waiting upon you, Jesus, for you are our only hope. Lord, I know the church is not going to change until your Holy Spirit comes and breaks the chains of intellectual bondage I know men and women are going to continue doing what they're doing with alcohol and tobacco and pot and cocaine I know they're going to continue in the adultery and the fornication they'll continue in their anger and bitterness and their lying and cheating and stealing They'll continue in their self-satisfied way if you don't come and break the power of Satan by the power of your Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus. I know that if you don't come and do that, this city is lost. And that breaks my heart because there are precious people in this city who love you. Lord, would you come in power today? Would you come in great power? Would you break the devil's strongholds? Would you break the devil's strongholds and reclaim your people? Mighty God, we are lost. As a nation, we're lost, Jesus. As a city, we're lost. Without you, Jesus, all is without hope. Would you come? Would you meet us? Would you heal us and change us? I pray in your holy name. I pray you've enjoyed this broadcast today. Holy Ann has been a source of encouragement and inspiration for me. I keep it on my shelf and pull it down every once in a while and just read portions of it like I did this morning. I want you to know what revival is. Revival is that extraordinary work of God when he comes in response to his people's repentance and prayer. When he quickens everything, as he did to Holy Anne. And people begin to weep over their sin and see their true condition. Revival is when people are brought back to life. When they're restored to their first love. When they're brought into confession and repentance and holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to come. And revive us once more. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. There are several things I want to briefly talk with you about, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com And as Holy Ann went to a, a house church, the National Prayer Chapel is a house church. Go on the web, nationalprayerchapel.com and you'll learn about who we are and what we do if your heart is earnestly seeking after Jesus, you're welcome to come. We're not a church based on entertainment. We're a church based on the Word of God and growing in grace, understanding the call to walk holy before a mighty God. We are praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I know that's the greatest need we have today. You're welcome to call me if you'd like to come, and I'll talk with you and share with you the directions. Get a pencil and jot down the phone number. It's 703-489-1785. That number again, 703 489 1785 Now we're also continuing to pray about FM radio and I'm simply asking that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about this, you've listened to this broadcast for a long time and if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, then I'd like to hear from you. And also, I'm so grateful to each of you who has given The five, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, five hundred, seven hundred dollars, a thousand dollars toward paying for the monthly AM broadcast. We check the the box every day and rejoice when we find your letters and your, your offerings unto Jesus. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, post office box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray that today will be a day of new beginning for you, where you finally get honest with Jesus about your real heart and life condition. God bless you. I love you. We'll talk soon.
1: To